there was a master going on a journey, and so he had called his servants and he entrusted them with some of his property, some of his wealth to watch over while he was away. He gave one servant five talents, another two talents, and another one. The servant that received the five talents that went off and made five more. And the servant that received two talents, he went off and made two more. They both doubled what they were given. Uh, but the servant who had received one talent was afraid and so went and dug a hole in the ground and stuck the talent in the ground until the master would return. When the master returned from his journey, the servant that had been entrusted with the five talents showed him the five more that he had made, and uh, the master said, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. The servant who had two talents came forward and showed him the, the two more that he had made, and uh, the master said, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. And I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Now, the man who had one talent came forward and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you do not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed, so I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But the master said to him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scatter no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth." So this is the parable of the talents that's found in, in Matthew 25. Did you notice that it was fear that drove the servant who had one talent to do nothing? Um, nothing with what was given to him. He, fear gripped him. It was fear that uh, motivated him. This fear he cultivated in his mind uh, moved him to make a foolish decision uh, with his life and what, what, what was given to him. Have you ever been gripped with fear or anxiety? Um, it can be incapacitating. Uh, like drowning in your mind, uh, filled to the brim and choking on the sea of your fearful thoughts, your worries. It can trap you. It can consume you. What are we to do? How are we to handle this? How is it that we can live our life in a way that we're not controlled by our worry? How are we to not be controlled by our anxious thoughts? This morning we're going to look a little more closely at more answers that are given to us about anxiety. Paul provides us with instruction how to pray and think right and, and do right. So if you haven't already, turn to Philippians chapter 4. I'm going to read verses 1 through 9. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Judea and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yet I ask you also, true companion, 
Help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Lord, as we look at your word this morning, I ask that we'd be encouraged and that we'd be drawn towards you as we receive uh, the truth, the instruction from you. Amen. All right, so pray right. This is the first instruction here. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. We looked at this verse last week. I believe it would be helpful to look a little bit more closely here in thinking about prayer. Someone who is praying, they're, they're praying to someone who's greater than themselves. So when we pray, we're praying to the Almighty God, Creator God, uh, and we don't necessarily tangibly see Him, but we're trusting that He can hear us. God is omnipresent, and so he is there with us, even though we don't see him. But prayer is a matter of faith in many ways. And I'd like to provide some biblical reassurances for this faith that prayer requires, which will then help us to understand why we can pray with thankfulness. So first of all, we can have faith that God hears. Psalm 66, verse 16 to 20 says, Come and hear all you who fear God. And I will tell what he has done for my soul. I cried to him with my mouth, and high praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But truly, God has listened. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, because he has not rejected my prayer or removed his steadfast love from me. The Lord hears the prayers of those who have this broken and contrite heart. The prayers that come from a repentant heart are prayers that are desiring God's will. God is faithful and just to forgive us of, of all of our sin if we confess and believe. And God listens to the cry of his people, and he does not remove his steadfast love from them. So in your fear and anxiousness, be encouraged to know that God hears the cry of his children. And also, be warned that a heart that is cherishing iniquity a heart that's cherishing iniquity is a heart that's it's turned away from the Lord. Someone who is cherishing iniquity is not someone who is desiring uh, the will of God. 1 John 5, 14 and 15 says, And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. The fact that God hears the prayers of his people is not necessarily a guarantee that we're going to get what we've asked for, but as we grow in faith and we grow in the love of God and the knowledge of God, we will begin to pray more and more in line with what God's will is. 
what, what his desires are, and our, our hearts are changed to be more like his. So this is not a matter of us getting what we want, but a matter of our hearts changing to desire God's will. A wonderful thing about salvation is that God is the one who changes our hearts and our minds. He replaces our heart of stone and gives us a heart of flesh. He works in our heart to give us a new desire and to give us a new mind. And so we're not left alone uh, on ourselves to, to change our will and to change our mind, but rather God gives us his desires. Um, it's a gift we receive. And so we can have faith that, that God hears our prayers. And we, we can also have faith that God cares. First uh, Peter 5.7 says, Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you because he cares for you. As we have anxiety, we're called to pray about whatever it is that we're anxious about. And the reason for this is because God cares about you. He, he cares about your life. He cares about how you feel. He cares about what's going on. Your soul. The call in Scripture is not simply to not be anxious or to not worry, but one of the ways we are to not be anxious is to have the Lord carry our worries rather than us. He is the one who is in control. He is the one who has real power. He is the one who is able to bring about change. So whatever is troubling your heart, maybe you feel like it's small, or maybe it's something that's big and it's totally overwhelming your world. God knows anyway, because he knows all things, Go to the Lord and lay those requests and those worries at his feet. He cares for you. 2 Corinthians 1, 3-4 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Many times when we are anxious, we are seeking after uh, comfort because anxiety is uncomfortable. The place where we find true comfort for our soul is in the truth of Jesus Christ. God provides us with comfort as he provides us with himself. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He pro provides us with his promise of redemption, the forgiveness of sins, hope of everlasting life with him, so we can have hope and faith that God cares. We can have faith that God will answer as well. James 1.5 says, But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. So God not only answers our prayers, not only hears our prayers, but he answers our, them. And, and here we see a promise that God provides wisdom. So, again, we do not always get the answer that we specifically want, uh, but the Lord will answer our prayers. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So we can have confidence in our prayer as we go before the Lord. There is grace and there is mercy to receive in our time of need. So go to the Lord in prayer with confidence that He will answer we may not get all of exactly what we want, but there is wisdom and grace and mercy available. The Lord provides us with what we need. 
And, and prayer is not trite. Uh, prayer is not just a, a nice thing to do. It has power. James 4.16 says, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. And prayer is powerful. Uh, specifically, this says prayer of a righteous person. The bad news about this is that none of us are righteous on our own account. Um, the, the good news is that we can have the righteousness of Christ imputed to us so that, that we are made righteous. Um, and so we have a lot to be thankful for when it comes just specifically to prayer. And there's many other things in life that we could list off that we could be thankful for uh, to the Lord about. Um, and we need to take thankfulness seriously. Uh, thankfulness is a matter of, of spiritual warfare. The presence of thankfulness in the soul is a good indicator of our spiritual health. Uh, John Flavel said this, Satan is an angry and discontented spirit and finds no rest but in a restless heart. The enemy desires that we would be like him. Uh, that we would conform into his image and likeness, being angry, being discontent. Um, an angry and discontented person is, is not someone who's experiencing the peace of God. Uh, they're not thankful. But we have this promise of peace, verse 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We touched on this promise again uh, last week. We're going to hit it at, at, at the end as well. This peace is promised twice in, in these uh, few verses here. So hold on to this promise of peace. So we are to pray right. We're also to think right. Look at verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Our minds are a battlefield. and Make no mistake about it, there is a spiritual war that is happening around us and, and in us. And a major target is, is our mind. We desperately need our minds to be renewed. Look what Paul says about the mind in, in Romans 1. Romans 1, verse 21, For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, and birds, and animals, and creeping things. And verse 28 says, And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind, to do what ought not to be done. So we see futile thinking, foolish hearts being darkened, a debased mind, and this leads to more and more lawlessness. The mind without the Lord, without truth, very quickly descends into chaos. And this, this makes sense because God created everything to be in order and to reject God is also to reject his order in how he has created life to be. Disorder and chaos result from a rejection of God's order. 
Lies cause chaos. And this is part of the goal of the enemy, to cause disruption and deception in life that leads to destruction and death. And one of the tactics and really a defining tactic in, in spiritual warfare is to keep people from the truth. The war between what is true and what is false, what, what is right and what is wrong. This is a spiritual battle. So what is the truth? The most foundational truth to be keeping on our mind is the truth of the gospel. To wash your mind with the truth of the gospel every day. The Lord Jesus came to seek and save the lost, dying a brutal death in the place of sinners. Even though he was without sin, this, this reminds us of the love of God for sinners. There is hope and there is life. There is a sacrifice that is better than the, the blood of, of bulls. There is true rest in Christ. Three days later, Jesus rises from the dead. He ascends to the right hand of the Father. We're reminded of the great power of God as, as Jesus rises from, from the dead. He's able to bring the dead to life. He's able to set free our souls from the bondage of slavery to sin. And His freedom is available to all who repent and believe in Christ alone for, for salvation. And so think about what is true. In our fears and Anxieties, sometimes we're thinking about things that are not true. Many times we can think about something that might happen in the future. Thinking about worst case scenarios. So, so it hasn't happened yet. But we can preoccupy our minds about a future that we don't know if it exists. It's the land of, of what ifs. It's a, it's a land that doesn't exist. It's a false place to go to in our mind. It, don't live in a, in a false world. It keeps us from reality, away from what the Lord has given to us today. We are to honor Him today, and if we are given tomorrow, we will honor Him with tomorrow as well. It's sort of a, uh, an anti-Philippians 4.8 would say this, whatever is false, whatever is dishonorable, whatever is unjust, whatever is impure, whatever is grotesque, whatever is re reprehensible, if there is any iniquity, if there is anything unworthy of praise, think about these things. That is the goal of the enemy for your mind. Welcome to the spiritual war. Where these things that are false and dishonorable are wrapped up uh, really nice. Uh, they're wrapped up really tight, really crisp, uh, colorful, uh, made to look uh, wonderful, made to look like they are God-honoring things, uh, but if you peel back the, the shiny uh, wrapping paper, there's, there's death awaiting you. It turns out to be false. It, it's, it was a promise of a wonderful gift of life, but there's death instead. The goal of the enemy is that you would keep your eyes fixated on what is false. That you would take that big, juicy bite out of what is impure, and in so doing, fill yourself with iniquity. As you fix your eyes on the lies around you, and you fill yourself with the reprehensible, you end up becoming like what you behold and what you consume. 
there is a movement in your life and character towards whatever it is that you're resting your mind upon. So if you're continually thinking about dishonorable things, that will begin to show up in your life and in your character. It isn't going to just stay in you. It is going to come out of you as well. It's, it's out of the overflow of the heart that, that the mouth speaks. So our actions and decisions will be influenced by then what is dishonorable if we have our minds set on dishonorable things. Paul has a lot to say about the mind in, in Romans. Chapter 8, verse 5 says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Setting our mind on the things of the flesh is to not be seeking first the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. It's to be seeking uh, an earthly kingdom instead. This is where good things like food and, and clothing and work and family, relationships and hobbies can consume our hearts and, and lead us astray. There, there's no real peace in these things. You're going to need another bite of food in a few hours. That doesn't last long. You're going to grow out of your clothes, so they're going to grow old. All these things, although they're good and there's a proper place in life for them, are not what we are to be seeking first and foremost in life, but seek first the kingdom of God. So think upon what is true and ask the Lord to do a mighty work in your mind, to renew your mind to be more like Christ. And that in this, you would also then present your, your whole self to the Lord as a living sacrifice of, of spiritual worship. Romans 12, 1-2 says, I, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So think upon what is true. And also this lastly here, we have do right. We have, uh, look at the last verse here, verse 9. What you have learned and received and, and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So what you have learned, received, and heard, and seen in me. This is Paul speaking. Paul had some flaws in his life. Uh, he was a, a terribly sinful man, uh, persecuting the church. Uh, he even calls himself the, the chief of, of sinners after he was saved. And at the same time, Paul provides us with a good example of how to live in uh, and teach because Christ did a mighty work in him in, in calling him out of darkness and into light. Paul is calling the Philippian church to look at his life and to practice these things. Uh, and he is a great so example of someone who's gone from living in the domain of darkness, right, persecuting the church, hating Christ, to being made new and walking and living in the light, uh, putting off the old man and putting on the new man. 
So this is an important note to make here, to look and see how transformative the grace of God is. The, the grace of God took a man like Paul and made him to be an apostle. And the Holy Spirit used him to write inspired Scripture to the churches. A man who was purposefully vengeful in attacking the church, attacking uh, the people of God, uh, hating the church. Um, this is a miracle of transformation in the life of Paul. It, it, so if there's anybody here this morning, maybe you feel like you're beyond saving. You believe that you're too far gone. That, that you're a the hopeless case. That there couldn't possibly be salvation for you. Hear, hear this good news. Uh, you are not too far gone for the Lord to save you. His grace is sufficient for you. Repent and, and believe. Today is the day of salvation. The Lord saved a man like Paul. He can save a man like you. And this call for the Philippian church to practice what they've seen in the life of Paul is a great call for us to consider for us as well. Are we people who ought to be imitated? First of all, for church leadership, elders and deacons, are, are you people who when someone looks at your life, would that person be moved towards Christ if they practiced the things that you practice? Should they learn, hear, and see, and practice what it is that you do? This is the type of life that you are to live, uh, uh, to model a life of godliness. And for those not necessarily leaders in the church, there's still this high calling for you. There are people in your life that you do lead. It might be your family, brothers, sisters, children, co-workers. It's a humbling question to think about. When people look at my life, would they see an example of a life of godliness that should be imitated? Practice these things. And practice requires intentional work. Practice just doesn't happen by accident. Practice is not something that you fall into without being disciplined and going after. You don't just mistakenly find yourself doing a bench press. You intentionally go after that and do that planned out. Be, be intentional with your prayers. Be intentional with your thankfulness. Uh, be intentional with your thinking. One specific way to be intentional with our thinking is to, to meditate on and, and to memorize the, the Word of God. Psalm 119.11, I've hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Purposefully thinking about the truth it takes practice. It takes effort. It takes discipline. And I want to encourage you to be disciplined in these things. And this brings about peace. Our hearts and minds are, are guarded in Christ. The God of peace will be with you. It's a wonderful promise of protection for God's children. The God of peace will be with you. Now, we, 
we recognize we, we fall short in practicing these things. Uh, we, we do not always pray right. Uh, we do not always think right. Uh, we do not always do right. So does that mean that there is no peace available? No. Uh, because Jesus Christ perfectly lived and died in the place of sinners, those who repent and believe can have salvation. You can have peace for your soul even though we, we fall short. There is grace and mercy in our time of need. Martin Luther said that the life of a Christian is a life of repentance. This is true. Bear fruit in, in keeping with repentance. Continue to look to the Lord for grace and, and mercy for your soul. As you keep your eyes fixed upon Him, yes, you'll grow in your ability to pray in, in a thankful way um, and to think in ways that honor the Lord as you practice this. You'll be practiced in being more disciplined in, in doing what is right. Aren't you thankful that we can rest upon the, the grace of Jesus Christ? His life, death, and resurrection. So do not let your heart be troubled. Jesus has overcome the world. And you can share in his victory and in the rest that he provides. Let's pray. Lord, we are thankful that you are almighty God, worthy of all worship and, and praise, a creator of all things. Lord, we recognize that we have believed lies and, and rebelled against you. And Lord, we thank you that out of your immense love towards us, that in your grace and your mercy, you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, in pursuit after your people to die for them, to rise again from the grave, provide hope to those who repent and believe. Lord, I ask that you would help us to be people who have thankful hearts as we remember the truth of the gospel, as we see your great providence uh, in our life, that we would also have our minds be renewed, that we would think right, that we, we would think upon what is true and what is pure, that we would be disciplined in, in, in our minds, that the, that the peace of God would guard our hearts and our minds. And in this, that we would be then moved to live in such a way that we would be honoring uh, you with our life, that we'd be worshiping you with our life. So Lord, help us to have renewed minds, that our desires would be your desires, that we would worship you and honor you in all that we do in life. We thank you that you are a God who is trustworthy, that we can cast our cares, our anxieties, our worries upon you. We can rest in knowing that you are in control and knowing that you are good. We pray this in your name. Amen.